Welcome to This Sacred Life. I'm Shan Vanderleek, founder of TransformationGoddess.com. Every month I share transformational conversations with women who've learned to walk in beauty with the strength, courage, and pleasure of reclaiming their feminine sovereignty. Women all over the world are rising up to have their voices heard. And I invite you to join us in the conversation. Today, it's my honor and pleasure to speak with Lisbeth Cheever Gessiman. And you might also know Lisbeth as she who is. We're going to discuss the beauty of soulful and sacred living, coming to the surface after a dark night of the soul. And Lisbeth's going to talk a little bit about her deeply creative and spiritual life. If you haven't heard of Lisbeth before, you are going to fall in love. I know I did the first time I the first time I saw her art cross my stream on Facebook. Lisbeth is the artist and illustrator of the Sutras of Unspeakable Joy, the Divine Feminine Oracle, and the upcoming Spellcasting Oracle. Oracle. Her work and vision focuses on expressions of the noumena, synthesizing technology with esotericism to interpret anew the mythos and archetype of the Divine Feminine and the alchemical transformation of the soul. She creates all of her work under the pseudonym, She Who Is Art. Welcome and happy birthday, Lisbeth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's and wonderful to be here, and it's, of course, always wonderful to talk with you. Yeah, it's wonderful to be with you together again. I think it's been a couple of years since we had a conversation for the Goddess Talk sessions. It yeah. seems like it was just yesterday. Right? It, yesterday it, when it, I was yeah. singing to you? Yes, yes, Guinevere. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a Guinevere reference in there that I've never forgotten. <laughs> oh, before, I, uh, before our call today, I drew a card from the Divine Feminine Oracle <sighs> that you illustrated. <sighs> you are never going to believe. Well, actually, you'll probably totally believe who, who leaped out of the deck. Joan of, Joan of Arc. Oh, well, she's so she is so dear to me for so many reasons. I absolutely love that. Jumped right out, and I just all I could do is just laugh. I said, "Well, this makes so much sense." Of course, the Warrior of Light. Her story so powerful, and so so many threads from so many attached to Joan of Arc. Yes, very truly so, Megan. Watterson, who wrote and created the Divine Feminine Oracle and all of the texts therein, brought her so much to life for me in a different way than I had ever seen her before. And really, I, I think the connection to how young she was. Right. She was just 13 a... 13 or 14? I mean, yeah, she was yeah. a child. And for her lineage and her spiritual expression to today be as profound, if not more so in so many ways, but in connection with the Divine Feminine, when you go back and you realize how young she was, that never ceases to just enthrall and amaze me on so many different levels. So, <laughs> yeah. why, why do you think she wanted to get our attention today? Oh, you know, the first thing that came to mind for me is the understanding that age is really not a factor when it comes to the divine feminine. Now, you know, I'm going to full circle this because it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being over 50 as a woman, I have a, an absolutely fantastic relationship with the age that I am, but I also realize that there are a lot of challenges that go hand in hand with that. And when I look at Joan of Arc, what I think is here again is kind of the, other side of that, being very young, very inexperienced, without what the world would see as wisdom, but still this mystical aspect of femininity that is always present and threaded within us is, is so strong in her. And of course, it is in all of us throughout our lives, but we have so many impediments and blocks against really coming into the fulsomeness of that. So mm -hmm. it's very easy to get trapped in 
I'm, you know, X, fill in the blank, because it doesn't matter, whatever age you are, (laughs) I trust, I trust you and remember this, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, it doesn't really matter. You are always feeling sort of blockaded by different aspects or elements of society. And letting the, the profundity of our own mystery, as well as that of the divine feminine uh, within us is something that is, you know, literally ageless, literally timeless, linked to eternity. And so that's the first thing that comes to my mind when Joan jumps out. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's, and there was a lot of backstory with the card that ended up being in the deck and the one that I had originally created for her, which were two entirely different presentations. I mean, they, they are so different from night and day. And so I don't want to go into all of that story right now, but the age part of that, which, you know, I think on the surface seems kind of shallow, but not really. It's something I think we don't do enough of as women is to just grab hold of the infinite mystery that we are and leave the rest aside. Mm. Well, and, and Megan writes so, so beautifully that Joan represents the power that we all possessed when we're aligned with our calling. You, to me, are such a, a beautiful example of somebody who is in alignment. That, that, that is my perception of, of you, that you are in alignment, living your life in such a way that when, when I think of you or see your art or have a conversation with you, I really feel like I'm coming home, like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, she gets it. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) My heart. (laughs) I think that that's really the call for us all as women. I think sometimes in this day and age, we get very tied up in a path, you know, and I'm putting air quotes around that. I know you can't see that, but, you know, we're all, you know, so fervently interested in what is my path? And I know a lot of women that I talk to express this a lot. I don't know what my path is. Well, your path is being a woman. And if you can dive into the mystery of that, nothing else really is needed. It's wonderful if you know you feel that you're particularly called towards some vocation. But see, this is a patriarchal mindset that women, I believe, have adapted that does not fit us. And we do that all the time. The linear thinking, the point A to point B resolution and gestalt. Oh, oh no doubt. Yeah. We, we've just taken that on and that isn't what we are. Yes, men feel very compelled to have a path. They feel very com- compelled to have a vocation. As women, we are called to be the mystery. And it's rarely ever set. It, and it certainly has not been for me in my life. Where I'm at in my life right now, you know, is is being an artist and expressing the divine feminine in this way. But, you know, I, I have been a professional writer. I was a business analyst for years. I've done, a, I was a musician in bands that toured. I've done a lot of different things, which is what I feel most women at their root will tell you is their similar experience. We've worn right. a lot of hats. We've been mothers, daughters. That's what we do really, really well. So don't limit and define yourself to one specific thing if 50 are calling which i think oftentimes they are which is why a woman feels like well i don't know what my quote-unquote path is but it's all of these things that are feeding you and nourishing you in so many ways and let it be that garden i just thought of a of an experience that i had and it's one of many but this one is a, a story that might make you crack up a little bit we were uh, traveling over in Canada. My family and I were traveling in Canada. And as we were coming back into the States, this very gruff badass in, in the little booth deciding whether you get to come over or not um, <laughs> <laughs> asked us each, you know, who we were and, and, and what we did for a living or whatever. And so my husband answered, you know, nice and short and brief. And my daughter answered. And then, it, and then it came to me. I'm an author and I'm a coach and I have a couple of podcasts. And I, let, and, and I just, you know, I don't even know what I was saying. I was just telling the truth, right? Exactly. And it was all he could do not to just roll his eyes back up in his head and like tell us to carry on because he didn't want to hear one more fucking thing out of my mouth about all of the things (laughs) that I was or am or do or whatever, right? I've never really been able to explain it as well as 
as somebody might want me to in a linear way because I can't because today is different than yesterday. And, you know, maybe I don't know. Like Transformation Goddess was the closest thing that I could come to because of the constant changing in, in my interests and the way that, that I am. But anyway, that happened and, and my husband and my daughter still tease me about the about you know him just glazing over with it was just awful. it was just so <laughs> but funny. so true yeah and i think transformation goddess i think that in and of itself transformation we are as women we are held to embody the mystery which the divine feminine is and i could talk about this for so long and i'll try to keep this really brief but there's the definite feminine energy and that divine feminine energy that is inherent within us, both male and female. But as women, we are so much more aligned to that in that sense is a thing that likes to hide is uh, all the attributes of yin. Right. So yang is very male, yin is very female. And it's very multifaceted, very multiplicitous. And if we try to isolate that down to one singular structure, it will never work. It will never work. It's why so many women, you know, they start out in their maiden years longing for that mother phase and, and wanting to have children completely, wonderfully, perfectly natural. And if you don't, equally as wonderful. I don't want to put that onus on everyone because not everyone wants to have children, which is wonderful. But when you find yourself in that place and you long for that and you have this family, the family grows. There are so many other spaces that are opening around you, oh, but yeah. because of the way our culture and our society is set up, we aren't encouraged to explore those. We're not even taught how. Luckily, the feminine likes to hide. She hides within us. She is a mystery. All it takes, truly, is meditation, opening up to that, and understanding what you are and what that is. So, as it said in the Greek temple, know thyself, know your nature, and trust in that completely, you will be amazed at the things that are opening and have opened around you in your life. But we're not taught that. One of the things that I love that, that you say, and I don't know if I found it on your website or where I found it, but that you, that you are a true believer in the holy juice and the radiant transformative yes. mystery and that our passion and desire that's what ultimately transforms oh, yes. the world. That's what oh, yes. transforms the world. <laughs> so if you can't explain that in a linear way, it's really okay. It's your passion. It's your desire. I, I dare say, I dare say, if you can't explain it in a linear way, you are on the right track. Yes. So much, so much better. <laughs> I really, at some point, want to do a, a course. And I don't even want to call it a course because, you know, to me, again, not the way of women, but I want to bring a teaching to light, which is helping women how to think as women instead of thinking as men. Because we have learned this. We've been taught that we grow up in, a, in an education that is predominantly, and I don't use the term patriarchal in some bad, toxic masculinity sort of way. I don't really believe in those things. But I say it as a linear systemic way of thinking that we have all been indoctrinated within, and it is not the way of being a woman. And so teaching a woman how to fully embrace and fully embody what that is and what her nature truly is and what that nature feels like naturally, I think, I mean, I don't want to, you know, speak in hyperbole, but it would revolutionize a lot of women in their own personal walk and growth of knowing that a lot of the ways that they think and they feel that they condemn themselves for are, are actually their nature and the most wonderful thing that they can give. Right, right. Without question. I think about uh, 13 years ago, uh, almost to the, to the date, is when I left my corporate job. Hallelujah. Yeah, in television, right? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, Let the angels yeah. <laughs> Becoming a mama, being, being Marin's mom, and realizing very quickly that all of the things that I found important about what I had been doing as I was kicking ass, taking names, climbing the ladder, and kicking mm -hmm. the feminine to the curb. Boy, yep. oh boy, was she, you know, I oh, yeah. hell out of her. And then to be, to birth myself and birth my daughter and to be in that space of, oh, wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for this opening. Thank you for this 
oh yes, I will do my work. I will do my work. I will continue to do my work because this blessing, this gift, this opening is something I could have never dreamed of because I didn't even know how. Right. Absolutely. You are given what you need. I don't want to say women more so, but we have, we are historically and naturally predisposed and inclined to accepting the gifts of the spirit. We are very, uh, we're very malleable. We're very accepting. This is when I say these things, I'm talking about the nature of the feminine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I personally uh, have a lot of very masculine traits. I always used to say I had a masculine soul, but a very feminine body. But, you know, I feel both things in, intrinsically. But, but my point is that malleability and that surrender to the mystery, to what is, is something that we do. Uh, with much more ease and fluidity than than men traditionally do. Mm. And so getting what we need when we need it is really the way of things, the natural way of things. Not just trusting in that, but knowing that to be absolutely truth, such as you not knowing what you needed and then all of a sudden in you know, the form of this darling, beautiful child oh my gosh you know this is you know it just it's just this unfolding in this revolution and then how we hold so many spaces yeah right. so that you know which we do wonderfully well as women but i think if we ever want to isolate ourselves to this is what we are whether that's an artist or a writer or a television personality or producer what have you world without end on men that will never work Mm -hmm. (laughs) just i mean i envy i i envy a woman who feels that she's called to a path and she has maintained it. And I know that that's, you know, a very American, reminds me of the Wild West, independent, sort of, you know, we're focused and we're driven, but truly more of a, what I would consider to be a masculine trait. And as women, we are going to find in our life that things change and we are so good at changing with them if we give ourselves that space to be open to this is what we need. That allowing is everything. Oh, surrender, baby. Yeah, and creating the, the one thing that, that I am enjoying so much more in this part of my life is my willingness to be, just to look at everything as, as spaciousness, as po- it's just spacious. Everything is, I'm not cramming anything in anywhere. It's just it doesn't suit me. It doesn't work. It's not yes. how, it's just not how it's going to be anymore. It's going to be, wow, today I might have this beautiful conversation with you and that might be it. But to just accept that or to know that when I'm tired, I, I rest. <laughs> oh, it's the most wonderful thing about, yes, I, <laughs> to the rest. Oh my goodness, uh, yes. Knowing what we want and knowing yeah. who we are. That is the gift of wisdom that I, I rarely hear people, well, I don't want to say rarely, but I don't hear women talk enough about. Uh, there is no bigger blessing than knowing who you are, knowing what you need, knowing what you want, and giving it to yourself, you know? Yeah. Just, yes, without yes. guilt trips, without any of the, of the trimmings that come along with it other than that knowing. In this moment, it's how, how you teach or how you learn to speak with children. You know, how do you feel? What do you need? We should be asking ourselves that all the time. How do I feel? What do I need? Okay, am I ready to move forward with whatever it is? Or am I not? Or yes. do I just want to go outside and lay on the grass, face oh, down? Yes, yes. Because <laughs> that happens. Sometimes that is the best thing that you can do. Shut <laughs> off the internal monologuing. Go outside and just earth. The earth is our mother. We do not spend nearly enough time being in that connection. And as women particularly, we need that so much. So yeah, sometimes just taking your shoes off, going out barefoot on the grass and letting yourself really just absorb that energy and that feeling and shutting off the internal monologue. Because again, I think that's one of the things that do us more detriment than good. You'll find a lot of answers that you did not know were looking for you in that stillness, mm. which, you know, goes back to meditation and other practices that encourage that stillness within us and why they're so good for us. But to me, those things don't get at the root of why we need that so particularly right. as women. And you, you know, from the moment I found you, met you, have 
always, you just strike me as a woman who is absolutely embodying your feminine sovereignty. I'd love <laughs> for you to speak about this place, this life, this place of creativity and grace and spaciousness and your honesty. We'll get to the dark night of the soul next, but you just, that is how you project. I really do love that. You know, I can say on the one hand that I don't spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about how to be sovereign as, as a creature of the divine feminine. But then I also know that to me, the one thing that I would emphasize strongest is presence. Mm. Presence gives us so much of what we need. And I, the mystery, I talk about getting what you need, not knowing that you need it, because that's been so true in my own life. You know, I had ideas about what direction I wanted my life to go in. <laughs> and found out very quickly that that life, that God, that which is, had other plans. And so learning to trust the divine. For me, you know, I've been involved in a lot of different things. And one of the magical precepts that I particularly align with is my will being aligned to the divine will, always. That divine will is not going to lead me astray. And we could talk about this from a religious perspective, but to me, it's really from a spiritual perspective of knowing that that's an inherent truth. So the sovereignty, I think, comes from divine sovereignty and being in alignment with that from a woman who is in a world that is male-centric in, in so many ways and learning how to think that way. It's very easy to get caught up in hierarchies and in ways of thinking that we just completely take for granted. Presence, presence in the moment takes me out of that constant linear A to B point of reference thinking, all of those things that really are not my nature. Presence is what takes me out of that. Presence is what defines, is this good for me in this moment? And I ask myself that a lot. I, I will tell you, I do most nights go to bed asking if the world was a better place because I was in it. And I always want that balance <laughs> to be going in the yes direction. So, you know, I, ha I find that that is one thing that I do practice consistently. Practicing something on a daily, uh, you know, with consistency, daily. I love ritual. I do. And I do ritual. But I often hear women talk about getting up and then doing this. And, and then we do our gratitude. And then we do our meditation. And then we do our yoga. And see, I can't live that way because I don't know what this morning is going to bring. It may very well bring a sister in the form of a message on Facebook or Instagram that is having a particularly bad time of things that I'm going to need to spend an hour and a half writing and messaging with. Uh, people that I don't know, but this is what I consider to be my ministry and my practice, and that will knock everything to the curb. And then if I'm two hours into that and I haven't done my meditation, I haven't done my yoga, I can very easily get sidetracked and discombobulated. No, 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 no. Presence in the moment. So what does this moment ask for? And then let's do that. And yes, it should include yoga, meditation, being healthy, eating foods that are good for our bodies, loving ourselves, loving, you know, yes, all of those things are a part of my daily ritual, but they don't come in any kind of succession. Yeah. Absolutely a mirror. Are you there? I'm absolutely. <laughs> yes, I'm a mirror. You're of that. a woman, that's, of course. Yes, and that's why I was talking about that palette or, or the menu or however you want to word this is like, okay, guess what? If I get to the end of this day and I have chosen two or three items from this palette that equal self-love, self-care, sweetness, compassion, whatever, then I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And, and anything over and above that is a, is a bonus. Absolutely. You find, you know, when you find you've, you've lost yourself in some way, as we all do as women all the time, so I don't care how together a woman seems, she is going to, in the darkness of her closet, in her interior space, she is going to have these crippling, agonizing moments of self-doubt, of insufficiency, of color that whatever you want. That, that is so inherent within us. I don't think that's our nature to be that way. 
but I think we've all learned that lesson well and it has stayed with us. But I think that if you can make the present moment one in which you're asking yourself, am I doing the very best that I can do in this moment? And if you have that constancy, it it helps you to make better choices. So self-love and actualization and ritual and empathy and compassion, those things are our nature. So if we're being fully present, we will by default naturally be extolling that. Really, we will. Yeah, what trips us up is living in the past, anxiety, or living in the future, worry. And those two things are what I think cause us the most guilt because we do get the guilt over not doing something, but chances are it's because we were either preoccupied with something that happened that we can't change or something that hasn't that we have no control or direction over. Surrendering in that moment, that's, that's how I would speak to divine sovereignty. It will, it will change with every day, but if you are in league with the divine will and if you are living in accordance with that, then I think that that's, that's so much a oneness of your nature and you cannot not sovereign. I'll get to a point where if I start to pop out of alignment, it'll take me a while to kind of go around the track and then it'll be like, oh, and I'll just get so tired of my own shit, you know, and just be like, <laughs> oh, you know, really? What would we like to do about this? Do we want to, is this going to continue or is this something to release? And and then make, you know, whatever that ritual needs to look like. I do a whole lot of blessing and burning. Lots and lots and lots. I love burning, yes. Yeah, it just, that's what works for me. And of course, visiting Lake Michigan and and grounding there and and connecting in any way that I can. Connecting through the beauty, so much beauty and and sensuality. Yes. You know, one of the reasons why, why I love your art so much. I feel when I look at it, it's not like, oh, that's pretty. There's something so much more. Right now on my uh, altar, I have, well, on one of my altars, I should say, I have the um, the women that are dancing under the moonlight. And I know you have a couple of those. This one is, I think they're just five women. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> five women in the front dancing. And I have uh, twinkle lights around them. And then the twinkle oh. lights light up that um, it's a piece I just bought from you. And I, there's just something about it, the, the liberation the and the joy and the reverence, but, you know, the, but the balance between the play and the reverence. And anyway, so it's on my altar right now. And, I, and it just always makes me smile. I love that. Art speaks so much to me from a aesthetic perspective, art, music, for I think for most of us as women, we are very drawn to that mysterious realm of the muses. Oh, you know, yeah. where oh, yeah. It, yeah, poetry, writing, you know, the things of the arts, the bohemian aspect of life mm-hmm. is something that's so compelling to us because there's no real rules there. I mean, no. I'm not saying in, in great study, if you want to be a classical musician, there are no rules. Obviously, there are. But the greats, the people that we identify with the most are not following any other rules but their own. And we recognize that as truth. Right. And truth, I think, is what most of us are seeking. And then aesthetic truth, which I think, was it Yeats? Beauty is truth. Truth is mm-hmm. beauty. I'm oh, right yeah. there. You're right. Exactly <laughs> You right. know, because... Yeah, is if it's beautiful it's the truth you know if beauty doesn't lie to us in that sense this is a whole philosophical con- con- and we could get into but the roots of beauty when we go out we witness the sunset we witness the ocean and its expansiveness you know we are automatically pulled in and relating to that beyond the realm of words which was how i got drawn into art and what i am always trying to stay connected to as opposed to particular medium or style or now what's my evolution of my next it, it never works that way for me right. it's, what is the natural flow of spirit here in this present moment and, and i think that's where every woman is oh, yeah. too with her own life yeah oh yeah and the, the other thing that that i enjoy so much about your work is that yes of course like right now i'm looking at anana she's in my office her, and there's such a story in just looking at this beautiful creation but then you take it further and add storytelling, add quotes, historical information, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so you've set yourself up into, in this beautiful way of, of teaching, 
for people who are just finding you or, or really don't know. And then, oh, you know, wow, why am I I'm really drawn to, to this particular piece and, and why? And then I learn more about this archetype. I learn more about this story. And it's just my words, I'm tripping over them because I don't really even know how to to say but it I properly. But I love that though, because I think that the way that we're taught in in, in art school or when we're taking classes is that we have an idea in mind first and then we go to the canvas and we start sketching out that idea in whatever way. And for me, it doesn't ever work that way. It's always more a com uh, compelling. There's a call to create something. And then I have folders and folders and folders of vintage images of things I've started of different things that I go through and then one will just jump out and right, and right. so then there's some sketching and this and that and at the end and it really is toward the end the voice gets louder it gets more clear of what this is and who she is and then I will go and and seek search for her what is her name I mean I really always have followed that and I used to think this is such a backward way to do things and I would try to just go to the canvas first and now I'm going to create Anana as an example mm -hmm. um, but it just didn't it never works as well it just never works as well that way but then I go searching for her and of course I find her I trip over different references where it becomes very obvious that's who this is and then the last 30 percent of the whatever it is I'm working on will take form because now I know who she is. Well, and I think and, that that's part of why the, why your work is so powerful. Thank you. It's because you're letting it, you're letting them come through. You're 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 letting it. You're not trying to say this is it. Even when you were working on the Divine Feminine Oracle and the different changes that were coming through, and you know some of your storytelling in that creation yes. process. <laughs> and you know, I just I, I just really think and talk about trust. And knowing, I mean, that was a big project. That wasn't a small that was. undertaking by any stretch of the imagination. And, and so that you let them come to life. Oh, man. Yeah, so so in, in, the, in the midst of all of this, this beauty and, and creativity, and you, you've also had a, a pretty challenging time recently. And you've also been very transparent about that. And so I'd, I'd love for you to share as much or as little as you would like about the experience and, and how you've come uh, to the other side mostly after coming back from your descent. Yeah, that, and I love that you said descent because I think Anana's descent into the underworld is something every woman should be familiar with at a young age. <laughs> I agree. Because I think it is something that we will all undergo in some way and that you have to have the tools that you know, help to pave, that help to shed the light on it, that, that help to make you, the dark night of the soul is not something that anyone willingly wants to take on, but, but it is something most people will be visited by in their lives, particularly seeking people, I, I think. I think that is a necessary transition and transformation. It's not to say that I think having great spiritual reward requires great spiritual pain, although that might be true. But what I know is we live in a very uh, filtered and glossed over age where I am honestly always concerned for people that particularly that follow me on Facebook or Instagram that they're so inundated by social media that doesn't really do anything except for celebrate uh, lives that don't really even exist and, and this glossed over filtered sort of false reality that is always coming through to us so less than than what's real and a lot of women are really struggling and especially i'm going to say call it 45 to 55 because a lot of things are happening during that period of life not the least of which is your body is really beginning to change to transition from being a mother into being a wise woman there's also children that are leaving which you know for many women is a really, really big deal. I mean, that's been the crux of their identity for so long. But you're also losing friends. Real illness begins to, to hit home. Parents get right. sick. You know, oh, friends yeah. get sick and such, which was what had happened to me. So I had been a writer, and I had written for a lot of national and regional publications. And I was in Savannah. I wrote for a wonderful magazine, uh, regional magazine there, South Magazine. And 
I was actually being groomed as editor. My mother died suddenly. My father had been diagnosed with Parkinson's about three months prior to that. There were a lot of things that were kind of in the works, but then my mother just passed away unexpectedly. And at that same month, uh, one of my best friends was diagnosed with Flu Gehrig's, uh, ALS. We went back home, back to Illinois from Savannah for the funeral, and I had to get all of that together myself and, and make the plans for that. And I remember on the drive back, and I, when I got home, I saw how bad my dad was. I did not know. My mom had sort of, you know, maybe shielded me from it. Maybe it was sure. in denial about it. Sure. Uh, but my dad was very, very bad off, and I knew that life, my life had changed. Mm-hmm. And, and it just inextricably changed. And I remember on my way back home thinking, I'll never write again. It makes me choke up thinking it now because I'm so blessed. Sorry. Of course. Of course. No, <laughs> oh no, don't be sorry. It, it, it's what brought me back to art again was uh, the fact that I just felt that I had entered the realm where words were not or mm-hmm. the actual, the complete under realm of Anana. Strip naked, strip bare. And, uh, and, you know, I love the part in the myth where, you know, she's, her bracelets, her finery, the way that the myth is told, the things that make her feel safe it was always what I had derived from the way that the items were removed along the way until, you know, she was at last naked and then hung on a meat hook, which mm-hmm. seems, let me tell you what, if you've not gone through the dark night of the soul, that seems so unspeakably graphic. And if you have, it seems so absolutely real. Yeah, And I love that that's included in there because you know, you're not just alone and, and naked, you're hanging on a meat hook. I mean, that, that, there's no better way to dis- express it than being not just at the bottom, but beneath the bottom of the bottom in the worst possible, you know, scenario. But, but yet from this, Anana rises and emerges triumphant in all of that. And that's so characteristic through so many myths and, and, you know, Isis and, Osiris and and Christ and the resurrection and the point of that being that descent is necessary for the transfiguration and for that resurrection to completely occur, which I absolutely know in my own space anyway is truth. But that was what led me to create art because I had no words anymore, but being a creative person, being a woman, because all women are, we are the womb of creation literally for this earth and this place that we hold in the cosmos creativity is what we are, whether any woman has ever painted or written or done anything in her life. Trust me, there are more creative gifts than she'll ever know what's new with waiting to be birthed. And in my case, I had, I had studied art in college and it just, it wasn't that I planned it. I just, my dad was a painter. I moved back to Illinois. There were a lot of blank canvases. There were a lot of paints and inks and things to play with. And thus, and so mm-hmm. that was how I got back into that again. Mm-hmm. And then that became my life after when everyone was now that I was in my late 40s when this aspect of my world really took off. And I say that because I think so many women, when they approach 50, begin to feel that the world doesn't have a place for them anymore and not... So it has not even begun yet, <laughs> would be my thing. <laughs> Do you find that to be true? I want to ask you that and throw that your way. Yeah. Do you find that now is really when you have started to come into your own in a way that's spiritually and artistically and creatively significant more I so than do. in your 20s? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't even conscious in my 20s. So, yeah. you know, that, not to say that I'm fully conscious now, but I'm working on it, right? <laughs> exactly. You don't know what you don't know until right. you know that you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I, uh, one of the things that I really like is, and, and there are some days that I'm, I'd be surprised to say this out loud, is uh, just how moved I am, how humbled I am by the, the great and crushing beauty of of my life in this world and uh, the friendships that I have. And, mm-hmm. and the, there's my, my heart has truly expanded in a way that uh, I could have never thought was possible. Yes. And uh, I think it's going to be four years now uh, this week, uh, or I don't know, in about a week from now that my father passed away. 
my father and I had a pretty tricky relationship. And thankfully, I'm grateful that we became friends towards the end of his life. He was such a samurai about it. He was so, without question, knew what was up and planned to the last letter. I mean, you couldn't have possibly imagined how buttoned up he was to make things as easy on me as possible when he left. Oh my. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was wild things that he did for my daughter. And this is a guy who I did not like very much for quite some time. I took a about a 10-year hiatus from our relationship, a little bit longer, because, yeah. because it was exactly what I needed to do. I understand that. Absolutely. And, and so when he left, uh, the night before Halloween. So yeah. coming around here, just like uh, next week. Yeah. I have never been closer to him than I am now on yes. the other side. I love that because I keep an ancestral altar where yeah. I, yeah, and the people that I love that have passed to the other side, I have pictures and mementos, and I talk to them almost every day, following just a natural way of doing this, the relationship with my mom and I, you know, which I use, um, this is one thing I, I feel so strongly about as women, as all, as all humans are, but we're connected to this so much more, I believe. We are not trapped in time. I mean, we are corporeally, our bodies are here in time, obviously, but our spirits are infinite and eternal. So everything that's ever happened is happening always. Right. And therefore, I believe that you can pray backward mm -hmm. for people's healings, for things. And I do. And I, I mean, I pray in both directions, in other words, which I think we see that's the linear thing. You know, we're taught, well, you know, we pray for things that are not yet to pass. I pray for everything, always. And the relationship with my mom has been a very big one. Same kind of story. My mom and I were not close, and she had a lot of her own demons and agoraphobia was a big one and anxiety throughout her life but she was very judgmental very very critical hypercritical but uh, probably toward herself more than of anyone course. else yeah projection yeah. of her own yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. but it took wisdom and years and then a lot of ancestral work to realize that so and I'm glad you bring that up because I think that that is such a tool and a resource for a lot of women that they don't utilize in their lives which is uh, healing relationships that have, you know, where people have gone to the other realm and have passed on, it is still very possible, in fact, encouraged. Don't, your work didn't stop, you no, know? it really didn't. And that's the piece, uh, too, of just having that be, having him be, you know, my first parent to pass. And, you know, all of a that's sudden, a shit's one, yeah. getting real, right? Oh, oh yeah, goodness, yeah, you know. Sure. So even this person, whether I liked him or not, he was there. Yeah, yeah. And so there's been this beautiful crack in everything, right? Yes. It's just, all I know is that as tough as it sometimes is to carry, I would never want to put it down. No. Mm -mm. I agree. You know, my mom used to say that a lot. She used to tell a, a story about a man goes to Jesus and says, the cross that you've given me is just way too big. Because we're told, and I was raised a Christian, I guess I should preface it with that, we're all given a cross, but never more will we be given something heavier than what we can bear. But he goes and says, this is way too heavy. And so uh, Jesus, God says, well, come on in and pick out your own cross then. And so he goes, and there's this room full of crosses, and there are huge crosses and iron crosses and all these different crosses. And then way off in the corners is this teeny tiny little cross. And so, you know, he goes over to that and chooses that. And then God says, you know, that's the cross that you came in with. I love that story because it reminds me of my mom and all of those things. But, but it is true. I mean, this world isn't a glossed, hyper-filtered experience, nor should it be. It's dirty. It's messy. Yeah. It's, it, it involves rips and tears along the seams and patches, many, many, many patches, right, <laughs> scars, right. lots of healing. Uh, and getting your hands really dirty in it and, uh, and carrying heavy loads, which we all do, but it's how we carry it and uh, who we carry it with, I think, right. and the way we carry it and, you know, letting that be the foundation of our experience in order to help others too. <laughs> hmm. 
You say that your art is a virtual celebration and creative expression of all that is sacred in your world. And without question, that's, that is what I was probably trying to put words to earlier is it, it, that's what I see for sure. And what I wonder about is that how do you, you know, when you've gotten to that point of, aha, I know you, I know who you are. How does that creation, all of your creations support and inform the feminine experience? That is a great question. I mean, that is a question that I could really honestly sit there and dissect piece by piece to focus on the nuances of every single bit of it. But, and I'm not even sure that I really know how to answer that because I think that so much of what I do is a living experience as opposed to a cerebral one. Art is right now my, my, my biggest creative expression, but also the gift that I, I trust works in a multiplicitous way to serve others as, as it also helps me to connect to the divine feminine and to uh, the noumena of, of life, the noumena, that, that which is that cannot be defined. But it's something that I feel very, very connected to. So I feel so often, you know, we're in these corporeal bodies trying to make sense of everything. We're like babies, I think, mm-hmm. in the, the nuance of time. And, but we're connected to this vast fabric of existence that is God and that is our infinity and our, our eternity. And we're trying to figure out what we're doing here and then, and then how are we serving others in the doing and the being. And the divine feminine is something that I had always been so connected to. So this was where Megan and I, when we had first started really talking about our experience with, with Christianity in particular, we both, I mean, had these mirror experiences of the woman, the feminine, not being present in right. the church and what we were being taught in different ways, but, and funny stories to go along with that. But I had even really sought out to try to write a novel at one point about women who had the Bible after an apocalypse. So 300 years later, without the benefit of any kind of religion or men or anyone to interpret it for them, just interpreted it by reading it. But of course, because they were women, what jumped out at them was the experience of other women. So rather than the emphasis being on, you know, through Adam, all men fell, it was through Eve, all were redeemed. And then through Mary, they mm-hmm. were all redeemed again. I had all these correlations and things, which I realized now was the divine feminine, the Shekinah, the Ruach, mm-hmm. speaking to me and through me in the way that the Shekinah or Shekinah does. So this is kind of full circle about the feminine experience. Yin likes to hide. Okay. So Yin is darkness. Yin, the, the attributes of yin, and this is from a traditional Chinese medicinal sort of mindset, which I, that might seem bizarre, but in the fabric of my reality makes so much sense, but for more reasons than I can really go into in this particular sentence. But yin and yang are from the Tao, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And yang is very dynamic, very forceful, very male, very God, very patriarchal, and we need those things, absolutely. But yin, by the nature of yin, is, is very hidden, very dark, very cool, very surrendering. Water, you Boy, know, water yeah. wearing, yes, water wearing away a rock is the yin way. Not the banging with the hammer to destroy the rock, but wearing it softly away. That's yin. And so yin likes to hide. The divine feminine, being very yin, likes to hide. She wants to be what? This is being a woman. We want to be pursued. We want to be sought after. We don't want to be out there dynamic. I'm not saying there aren't times, but our very nature is one of, you know that you're worth being pursued. And yin, the divine feminine, is from my perspective and where I sit, that same way. She wants to be found. She wants to be sought. The seeking of her is important in the experience, but she is hidden, but yet ever so present for those 
that are seeking in that sense. And so to me, that's the sacred part of my life. That's the sacred act of my work. That is just who I am. So powerful. It's so beautiful, Elizabeth, because when I think about your creations and getting back to that question of how do they support and inform, it's you being open to what's coming through and then sharing what came through. And then whomever you touch gets to... Being that same way. Yes. Because <laughs> that's really the thing. I have always said my art is co-creative. Women will write me and tell me something about a piece that I go, of course. I did, Because she created, and this, I really mean this, it is a co-creative act. Every single thing that I paint, create, or do is co-creative, meaning I will often mm. hear from women who will tell me about some aspect or facet of their life that the piece perfectly represents. And I'll say, of course, because I'm always seeking to be open to what needs to be expressed. So you might have a prayer out there that you need a sign or you need, and that comes through to me somehow and then becomes that sign. I truly believe that that is just as much a part of, of creation as everything else is. We are all so important. We are all so heard. We're all so seen. Mm. And, and, you know, it's so easy to think I'm just, you know, one little atom in, in this whole macrocosm, but, but absolutely not. You are a sun. You are a star, you know, born from stars and a star in and of yourselves. And I, and I love that we have some, some music playing in the end because it, it reminds me that we need, to, we need to move on. And I appreciate you so much. And, and there's just uh, great, great love, great reverence, uh, deep bow of gratitude for you, for your work that you were born. You know, I, I am so grateful and thankful to you as well for these podcasts, which I love just putting, putting them on randomly when I'm doing work and working. I'm always trying to find something that is aligned with what I'm feeling. And you are always right up there. But the work that you do, the spirit that you are, our conversations, I, I'm so thankful for you. I always feel it was destined and purposed. And I'm just really glad to be sharing the same time and space as you, girl. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Lisbeth Cheever Gessemann of She Who Is Art. You're welcome to visit Lisbeth's website at shewhoisart.com to learn more about her sacred offerings. 